Hi, I'm Laura from Catalyst Inc. Connect. Welcome to another episode of Succeed in Business, Springboard, Northern Ireland's most powerful personalised accelerator programme. Shares everything you need to know and didn't know you didn't know. Everything you need to know to establish, grow and scale your business successfully. Springboard, accelerating innovation through experience. Today's episode, recorded at the Innovation Centre in Catalyst Inc, Belfast, is titled Have I Really Got a Great Idea? John and I are chatting with Benjamin Fellows, entrepreneur in residence at Catalyst Inc and co-founder of Thrive. Good to have you here, Benjamin. (laughs) Great to be. (laughs) Today we're going to talk a little bit about people who are thinking of starting a company. How do they actually know they've got a good idea, or even better, a great idea that they can take and convert into something that's going to make money? Right at the very beginning is work out exactly what success or failure looks like to you. Because you're going to, in an ideal world, you're going to monitor for that all the way along. Because at the end of the day, how else do you know when it's time to call it quits, or look at changing your idea, or how do you know that it's time to expand? So right at the very beginning, you have to sort of work out what is that success or failure, and wrap some some KPIs or key performance indicators around it in terms of is if if this happens in the business, it obviously means the business is going to be growing and we're going to keep doing it. If this doesn't happen, then what is what is that plan B? What what are the other avenues look like? Um, and and part of that is knowing what to measure and being honest with yourself when, when you're measuring that early on to know are we succeeding or are we failing, then how can you rapidly test whatever you're doing in terms of bu- building businesses is no longer about taking uh, a five-year gamble before you know if it's a success or a failure. Everything now should be how can we compress this business or product building cycle to be as quick as possible that we can get answers early on so that again we can say is this too risky or are we on the, on the right track? Um, and some of the techniques, obviously, that we'll talk about uh, today relating to that are lean startup, minimum viable product. You know, there's all the buzzwords there, but it's all been cultivated because that is, um, in many industries, that's the way to, to sort of ensure success. Or if things aren't working out, to know when to, to walk away. And I think as an entrepreneur, um, that that is an equally difficult skill to learn. That doesn't matter how many times you may launch a successful product, there will be failures. Um, and you need to know at what point to cut your losses and, and look for the next next thing. So we've got an idea. I'm about to do something with it. Excellent. How do I accelerate my success? Or, just as importantly, how do I accelerate my failure and why? That's the good one. That's that's the hardest. I guess for me at the beginning, you've got to kind of work out, well, what does that success look like? Um, some people want to get in, into, the, into the entrepreneurial journey to build a really big business and make a huge exit and get out and make all this money. Other people might want to do a life, might want to be a lifestyle change or lifestyle opportunity for them. So as part of that, working out what's a success or a failure, got to stand back and say, well, what are, what are the things that are important to me? What are going to be those KPIs or key performance indicators that we're going to look out for? How are we going to check along the way that we're going in the right direction and that it's worth pursuing? So the thing to me is is come up with a come up with a plan that you're going to measure all the way along. Don't be afraid to either walk away or change what you're doing. So no idea is ever going to be perfect, and you don't. As an entrepreneur, I guess you never want to just give up and at, at the drop of a hat and walk away. But equally, don't be too proud to be able to, to do that. A lot of these things 
don't have to be perfect, and I will probably get into that later on in the conversation, but don't be afraid to do things that, that, that probably don't scale in terms of if it's you, you've got a small team, don't be afraid to do everything you can yourself so that as part of the entrepreneurial journey, you're getting involved throughout the whole process and you're responsible for either that success or that failure. And as the journey goes on, you can then monitor every individual piece of it so that you can quickly say, is this working or is it not working? So if I could summarize a couple of things in what, in what you just said, early on, you could decide what your key performance indicators are. So yep. you've got something to measure. Absolutely. Because you can't improve what you don't measure. That's it. Secondly, take stock along the way and don't be worried if you have spent money on this. doesn't mean you've got to pour money into it. If you decide it's not going to work, stop. Yep. That's it. Don't be too proud to walk away from it. And as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's it. You've got, to, you've got to wear all the hats. And, and it's going to be, I guess, the thing that I love is it's a complete up and down journey. And it's going to be a learning experience. And the thing is, you've, you've got to be ready for that. You've got to be happy that things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go right. And uh, you're going to have to, you have to put up with both of those, both of the highs and the lows to get to the ultimate goal that you want. So let's say we've got this opportunity. Yep. How do we test that? How do we test the viability of that opportunity and the size of the opportunity, if you like. Defining the market's always an interesting one and you're going to have to do some research. It's always the, it's the something something that doesn't always come naturally, I guess, to, to an entrepreneur who wants to just get, get stuck in, get a product out, get out talking to customers. But at the end of the day, before you, you jump into these things, you've got to work out, is there a market here? And, and what does, I guess, the, the size of that market looks like? Um, and the, the easiest way, obviously, to do that is, is through research. The other thing is when you're out there, there's reports you might read, depending on the industry you're going into, there's plenty of ways you can find out information about its size. But uh, the other really important thing is looking at well, what's the what's the, the possible size of, of the market that I'm going to going to attack, but also what are the what are the competitors look like? If the market's already full of competitors, how am I gonna fit in? What's the point of me even trying to produce something if I'm not going to be different? So start off with how big is the opportunity? What does the competition look like? Because the, the perfect thing we're all looking for is a huge opportunity with not many competitors. That would be the dream. And if anyone's got, got that idea, brilliant, come and come over chat to me. Um, and then from there, I guess the next, the next thing you're trying to do is work out for yourself, what is the, of the total market that, that you could be selling to, what percentage you think you're going to take? What percentage do you think of, of, of complete market that that may purchase your product or, or become a customer of your business. And that's always the hardest thing I find to do. And I think it's the thing that entrepreneurs, including myself, definitely over the years get wrong because it's easy to overestimate uh, what, how much growth you might see if you're going into an established market with lots of competitors, um, how much uh, business you might be able to take off, off other people. The hardest thing I've found is there's not one answer. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very specific to you, the business you're trying to build, the product that you're trying to create. Um, but you've got to get a feel for it. You've got to understand it early mm -hmm. because if you don't, um, you could well spend a lot of time chasing, uh, building a product or a service, chasing a dream that doesn't actually end up anywhere because the market can't sustain what you're trying to do. Good. So there's lots of little acronyms like total addressable market, total available market, total whatever market. That's it. I always like to define it as who would you think will actually pay for your product? And that's your market. Yes, that's the thing. At, at the end of the day, that's the, that's where the buck stops in terms of if someone's not going to pay, they're sort of irrelevant to you. So I so absolutely agree. You've, you've got to focus on that person that's going to part with their money. The second thing that you mentioned is, is around competition. And competition is not bad. It means somebody else has already identified there's a market there. 
the big thing is so what's my unfair advantage what's my another acronym what's my usp my unique selling proposition what can i offer that nobody else is offering and that's not price exactly <laughs> yes yeah absolutely and and i think that's the um where people sometimes fall down is they are trying to find a, an opportunity or, or or a market where there are no competitors and if there aren't any competitors, you've got to be asking yourself, Why? am I the smartest person in the world? Or is this just a really bad idea that other people have tried and, and failed? And I think we've probably all fallen afoul of that at, at, at some point in our entrepreneurial journeys. So in the beginning for startups or entrepreneurs, what methods do you think they should use to de-risk their go-to-market strategy? In an ideal world, the, the best thing that I love that, that, that we've done sometimes successfully in the past is to try and get someone to buy your product before you've either fully built it or yeah. sometimes even mm-hmm. before you start building it. Yeah. Now that obviously depends on the, the sector or the industry and, and, and how you're doing it, but at the end of the day, as John was saying before, that's the ultimate validation of someone wants to buy what I've <laughs> what I've come up with. So if you can get them to put their name on a contract or, or, or whatever before you build, before you actually go to market, that's ideal. Um, but I guess if you can't in a lot of situations, the next best thing is making sure you've been out and talked to your customers and really understood uh, who they are, what their pain point is, what your product is going to solve. So really getting that feedback from the person who's going to buy. If they're not willing to commit today, getting as close to that, really getting inside their head and understanding what will make them buy, that, that's a huge kind of step I, I feel in de-risking a, a new product. The next thing to me would be testing your marketing channels. So obviously if we've got something that looks like it's going to be going to be a goer, going to be successful, testing how we're going to market that because mm-hmm. it's great having a, a really good idea, but if we can't acquire the customer, if we can't find a way to get it in front of them for the right amount of money, uh, then we're sort of wasting time. And that comes back to, I guess, that idea we were talking about before of the lifetime customer value, cost of customer acquisition. It's all, as you were saying, John, all those those great acronyms, um, but they're all really important. The other thing, I guess, also with, with de-risking when you're going, when you bring your product to market is look at your competitors. Hopefully, as we said, there are some. If there are some, these people have probably already been down the same path before. They've made mistakes. They've probably spent a lot more money on advertising or, or marketing. They will have built sales teams, depending on, you know, obviously what the industry looks like. Try and find out as much as you can about what they did, um, how they succeeded or failed, because that should help de-risk your plan to go to market. How do I know that I can actually attract customers? The first thing is friends and family are incredibly well-meaning, and they are always a, a good sounding board to do that real initial kind of test in terms of am I being totally crazy or not by pursuing this. But also the downside, obviously, is they're going to tell you and quite often what you want to hear. Um, and friends and family are great for that, that positivity when you really need it. But unless your friends and family are the ones who are going to buy your product, they're also the worst people sometimes to be getting feedback from. Now, but I'm a huge proponent of getting out and talking to whoever the end customer is going to be. Getting out, having meetings, having these initial kind of discovery conversations with people. That's the bit that I love that excites me because that's the bit that really you find out the truth. Um, you have to be humble because the idea that you have in your mind, and it doesn't matter how many times you've launched a successful product or how sure you are if you're a domain expert in terms of this is going to work, uh, you have to be humble that the reality is the person buying the product is probably going to know more. The person you think is going to buy the product is probably going to know a lot more about it than you are. And so my advice is get out and talk to as many people as possible. And, and as you mentioned before, John, find the people who you think are going to pay, who may pay in the future, because it's pointless talking to people who aren't your market. And you you really want 
good feedback and also bad feedback. Sometimes it's the people who say to you, this is a poor idea for these reasons, or it's not gonna fit my business, or the price point's wrong, or, or, or all these other things. It's that negative feedback sometimes that can be invaluable because you can fix that. Those are things you can solve. If everybody just always tells you it's amazing and it's the best thing since, since sliced bread, mm -hmm. then how do you improve? How do you actually know, unless they're gonna sign, you know, sign a contract or give you the cash, right then and there, how do you actually know that you're going to get somewhere? Right, and one of the little tricks I would suggest using, and, and love your feedback on this, Benjamin, rather than going out and showing your potential customer a product, first of all, and say, give me some feedback on that, is think about what problem you're actually trying to solve and talk to your customer about the problem. So ascertain first, do they have a problem? And if they've got a problem, how big it is, before you say, well, do you think this is a good solution? Absolutely. And and the thing is, I guess, when you're out talking to people, it should really be them talking most of the time because, as I said, you've got to kind of be a bit humble about this. They are the ones with the, with probably the solution to the problem and the buying decision locked up in their head. Um, it should be a case of really finding out, do they have this problem? Is it as big as you thought? Or is the problem slightly different? Because, again, sometimes negative feedback, it doesn't really work for us. That can be, and we might talk about it later, that might be the perfect pivot for your business. You might find a perfect other avenue that you hadn't thought. So that's why I've said before, this, that's the exciting part to me in product development, because that's really when you're getting inside the head of the person who's hopefully one day going to buy it off you. What is a lean startup process? So I guess lean startups become quite popular, I guess, over the last kind of 10, 10 or so years. The lean startup process is about creating a, a product that, or my interpretation of it, is about mm -hmm. creating a product as quickly and as cheaply as possible. The first version of a product, a product you can take out to show people, but hopefully ideally also getting them to buy. So it's not about the old theory of, well, we all just get into a darkened room and we spend six, 12 months, two years of working on this thing. And then we take it out and we do this big launch. We say, who's gonna buy it? It's, it's about getting out really early, talking to your customers, um, prototyping things, taking them, once you understand their problem, taking them something and saying, does this solve the problem? Mm -hmm. um, but also doing it iteratively in terms of understanding that, that in the early days, a product is never gonna be finished. It's never going to be 100% right. Yeah. It's kind of being happy with that and saying, we're going to take something out to people who hopefully will be the early adopters, people mm -hmm. with a with a really strong pain point who really need your product. You know, my background is, is, is uh, business software solutions. Things like that are never done. And so people are always sort of comfortable with the fact that things change, they improve over time. And that's kind of that lean startup process is that understanding of getting customer feedback, the iterative change and improvement. Um, and, and again, keeping an eye on, on what the customer is telling you because the answer that you have may not be the answer uh, that the business ends up with. In terms of the product that you take them on day one could be quite different to the product you take them two months later. And again, that's the bit that I find really exciting because you just the, the change can happen really quickly now. There's a little bit of courage involved. I know Laura and I have lots of cups of coffee and cups of tea with <laughs> engineers, whether they be software, electronic or hardware engineers <laughs> who have, who've got this product and um, the first question is, how, how, how well have you tested it with the your potential customers? And the answer is, well, we haven't got it out there yet because it's not finished. <laughs> well, how long have you been working on it? Well, it's three, four, five years now. Yes. You it, need to get it out there, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a, it's, 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 I guess it's a fine line between having having the courage to say, right, this is this is good enough and we think we're close enough to actually put it in front of someone. Because again, it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a hard process. Mm -hmm. You're taking out, you're taking out something which is your baby and someone's going to tell you if it's <laughs> terrible or not, um, which is also 
again why the earlier you do it the better and no matter how long you worked on it when you sell something that's when it's really tested yes and then you'll ha you'll have to change it anyway so little acronym mvp minimum available product just get it out there get the feedback yeah that's it exactly and and from that from talking to customers and getting the feedback early on even before you start building something that should hopefully give you an understanding of what that mvp that we just talked about what it needs to be what how far do you need to go before someone will jump across the table and say i'm gonna buy this which is obviously that that moment that we all were all hoping for what is the best way to get that potential customer feedback just going out there getting meetings yeah, I think networking. I, I think the I think the good thing is that unlike a sales approach where you're trying to, to bash down the door yeah. and and sell somebody something that if that 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 a a request for feedback is is it's far more casual um, yeah. and I think people are far more accepting of that because the outcome is I'm not trying to push a product down your throat. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to get a commitment from you to buy something which can sometimes be a slightly more in your face mm -hmm. experience that some that people will straight away put up a shield or step back and sometimes it can be slightly uncomfortable. The feedback process I find if you approach someone honestly and say, "Hey, look, I've got something. It's new. It's exciting. We hope it's going to solve a problem that you face in your industry." That really gets people to open their doors. Um, and to give you time, it's amazing the how high in an organization you can go in terms of you can get meetings with really senior people on the back of, again, I've got a new product, I want to show you and get your feedback. Mm -hmm. If you were trying to sell to that person a new product by just bashing the phone, sending them emails, it would be much, much harder. As long as you're honest about what your intentions are and what you're trying to do, it's a great way to, to get that information. And then the good thing being that obviously if someone says to you, hey, I love that idea that you've brought to me or this, of this product, I, uh, there's, there's also an opportunity that they might buy that in the future. I totally agree. So it's in human nature to be helpful. Yes. So just ask for help. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not going in to say, I need you to buy this product. It's, I want your help. Absolutely. And a lot of people have probably, um, senior business leaders that you might be dealing with have probably been through similar processes yeah. before. There really is, I feel, a, yeah, a network of people out there who want to help you. And you'll be amazed at, at how far sometimes people can go to just give you a leg up. You're getting customer feedback. How do you, or how can you turn that feedback into assistance to actually sell your product? One of the important things obviously is getting a volume of feedback because obviously every individual customer is going to have their own opinion. Like you've got your own opinion, everybody out there will have their own opinion or slant. And so one of the techniques of, of obviously doing this and doing it well is being able to, to spot the patterns. If you want to talk to 10 people, you really need to sit down and say, well, what was the commonality between them? I don't want to just build a product which is going to be amazing fit for this one person and then never be able to find somebody else to sell it to after that. So it is about being able to take a step back and kind of look at all these interviews and all this information you're collecting holistically. And then as I was saying before, hopefully as part of this process, people who are the ones giving you feedback will become your first customers that through, if you did 10 or 20 customer interviews, you'll be able to identify those people that, are the, that, that might be the early adopters all the evangelists, if you can find the people in, in whatever industry you're trying to tackle that are, that are the ones that say, yep, I love this and I'm going to tell other people about it. Those are the exciting ones because they will help you build your business by solving their pain point, solving other people's pain points. They will be kind of an, an accelerator for you, I guess. And so those are the ones that you can work out through feedback conversations with them, just more casual chats how they could help you and where they could take you as, through their own network of contacts. You've said a couple of interesting things are in terms of getting customer feedback. It is customer feedback, but it's actually market feedback. Mm. So you want, if you ask 10 customers, you want eight of those customers 
give you the same piece of feedback. Yes. If all eight of those customers say, we've got the same problem, and by the way, we're really frustrated with the current solution, then you've probably got a good idea. Yep. Don't worry about the other two who had totally different ideas that's or totally it. different exactly. problems. Yes. You can't solve everything for everybody all the time. No, well, that's the thing. Absolutely. You can do a poor job of trying to solve everybody's problem, or you can, do a, you can have a laser sharp focus, really try and find that niche. Um, because depending, again, what you're trying to do, sometimes you only need a very small niche and a very large market to, to build large, successful businesses. So it's just keeping your eyes open all the time for that. You alluded to it a little bit earlier on in terms of, I think you did mention the word pivot. If you're going out with this potential solution, which you thought was a great idea, and eight out of 10 of your potential customers say it's a slightly different problem. Thing You never want to be totally wedded to something. You always want to be fluid and flexible, certainly at the beginning. Quite often you will find that the success comes slightly to the left or the right of the direction you originally thought you were going to go in. If nobody actually agrees with you, if nobody actually sees the problem that you're trying to solve, then it's probably not a good idea. That's, that's a really good point. And that's probably why a lot of these things, you can ask for feedback via email, you can do it on the phone, but at the end of the day, if you have the opportunity to, fronting up in front of someone and talking about it, is uh, eye to eye, face to face, is the best way of doing that. Lastly, leading on for that, I think that's a really good way of selling it. So if you understand that eight out of 10 of your potential customers have a problem, easiest way to sell it is to say, do you have this problem? Yes, I do. Would you like me to solve it for you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's it, exactly. That's exactly what you're looking for, and that's the funnest part of the whole process. Great. Well, I think that was some great insights. If you could pick out one single thing that you could give to our listeners. Or your biggest lesson learned. I think at the end of the day, you've got to follow your gut, but at the same time, you've got to have a, a healthy dose of skepticism. There will always be counter opinions. There's going to be plenty of noise that you've got to try and pick out the, the nuggets of gold from. It's always maintaining that balance between being sure of where you, what you want and where you're going to go, but also being humble at the same time to let others influence that journey. Benjamin, thank you. Really appreciate your time today. And I'm sure that will be really useful for our new budding entrepreneurs. Brilliant. Thank you. Please get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at CI Connect to give us your feedback on today's podcast, all linked below. I look forward to catching up with you all on our next episode. Thanks for listening.